A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Ruhl Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. Long overdue. I'm looking into the whites of the eyes of Julius Solaris, who's sitting across the table from me. Julius, welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> Finally, I made it here. Yeah. It's hard to, 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 to remove this grin off our face because what you might not know if you've only read Design to Change, the book, is that uh, the introduction of our very first book, uh, the Event Design Handbook, um, Julius Solaris remembers those very first steps and was an accomplice to writing the introduction to the book in which you said, in order to change behavior, you have to change your own behavior first. Yeah, that was the OG book, right? Um, I remember that. <laughs> Different word, the same problems to a certain extent. So we're still yeah. here and yeah. we're still like, fighting that fight. Uh, uh, it's amazing the movement uh, that book created and uh, you know, whatever you've been able to build with that. It's uh, yeah, it's incredible to witness and uh, yeah, we're seeing better events thanks to that. And that, that result is amazing. Congratulations. We're excited to have you on the podcast, yeah. uh, Julius. It's 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 uh, it's always a treat to speak, and we speak uh, regularly at whether it's industry events and or in Zoom calls or in events. Um, a lot of changes are happening. This new book called Design to Change focuses on elevating our ability to look and act beyond the now. Mm -hmm. And it opens with a statement that, that, um, that we just heard is a good conversation can determine the direction of change forever. Mm -hmm. Would you leave that to chance? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's such a poignant um, topic right now. You know, I come from the roller coaster of a couple of years with virtual events and technology specifically. You know, I've been thinking about that, especially when it gets to you know the, the promise of a hybrid world where we would integrate technology better for you know more inclusive, more sustainable uh, experiences. And uh, we it seemed like at the beginning of the pandemic we were going in that direction, and all of a sudden that stopped so dramatically. And uh, you know for a lot of reasons, right? Uh, but also I saw a lot of people that believed in being included for the first time in virtual events. A lot of people that believed in the, you know, reducing the impact of in-person events uh, truly wanted to embrace this new concept of doing things that, you know, so their dreams kind of, uh, you know, gone in a matter of a few months. So yeah, that's, you know, that's a lot to talk about in that sense uh, as an industry. Like, how are we really making an effort to, you know, include more, to be more sustainable, to be more, um, yeah, open to that change that the world is asking for. You yeah. know, whatever you turn around, there's, there's an ask for that. There's costs going up. There's wars happening. New generations that are using metaverse environments. So it's like whenever you turn around, there's a constant request to change. Mm -hmm. And like as an industry, I think we we need to be more reactive to that. Yeah. Event owners that come up with that question of change. Mm -hmm. you know, 
um, also sometimes have a hard time formulating what change they're looking for. Um, part of what this book is explores is how to have those conversations when somebody has this articulation of change in their forehead or in their prefrontal cortex, but is not maybe yet ready or able to spell it out, right? And, and uh, peeling that out of that person in an elegant way and having that conversation is one of the focuses of this book. Uh, the book is a result of the fact that over 500 conversations we've had with people that are now very well equipped to design events using a process are geeking out on a process but forget to really address the issue of outcomes. Interesting. So when I go to my bookkeeper, what I want uh, is not the explanation of how to do bookkeeping. I want to see a P&L and a balance sheet and maybe a cash flow analysis that allows me to go back to the tax man without getting in trouble mm. and also to navigate the, the way that we run our company. Yeah. Now, event owners are very much like me in the fact that they want the P&L, they want the balance sheets and they want to figure out how to not get in trouble with the tax man. Mm. Um, but not necessarily preoccupied with the process. Yes, without a process, it's hard to come to a set outcome yeah. that you can count on. Yeah. In your experience with both running the event manager blog, having worked for a number of tech companies now with Bolt Push, which is your new initiative, and I was tremendously excited to see not just the tweets ahead of time, but also the flexibility and the, let's say, the stretch muscle and the efforts that are being made in the Inspiration Hub at Smart Monday, mm. where initiatives that come up on short term are also being dealt with from the perspective of event design. Right? Mm. Uh, there's air in the system to not be too rigid, but to actually be more human. Yeah. How do you think that's going to influence the way that event owners can design their event future, or can have their event designers design the events in the future? I think, like you know, I look at this as a as a content creator in the industry. This is like mm -hmm. how I define myself these days, mm -hmm. and um, I think to a certain extent, experienced creators, event people, um, they're you know, this you can process, you can rely on a process as much as you want. At a certain stage, you got to risk it. There's a risk component. That's that's what scares people most of the time. It's obviously, well, you have a process first off that you've been able to sort of uh, give structure to what people would say. Oh yeah, let's do an event. Let's get people in a room. Let's get drunk. Whatever. You know, and things will happen. That that's been the sort of paradigm of life. Sort of running events for a while, so you've been, you know, standardizing that, um, even if probably is the wrong word because it's such a creative approach. It's more um, mental model with a language the, to yeah, talk about it yeah. right? as a group of people. But then there's the risk, right? I can give you an example of how, more recently, you know, I've been doing analysis and reports for the event industry for 15 years. You know, 300,000 people downloaded my reports through the years. And uh, more recently, I, you know, decided to do an analysis of event technology in the market. And when I announced that, um, a lot of companies reached out to me and said, can we sponsor it? I said, no, this time I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it because I feel, you know, we need to change the perception of what uh, the content that we create in the industry um, is. We need to elevate and differentiate type, types of content. 
And uh, it was, it's a big risk to sell a report for $800. Mm-hmm. Trust me, in the events industry where everything is free, we're an event where a lot of people are expensed to come here. And, you know, people are just reacting by saying, are you crazy? Yep. Um, so, yeah, you have to take the plunge. And it's risky and it feels awful. And, you know, with the imposter syndrome that we've had for the past couple of years, it's just like it's not making it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, everything feels so new. Um, but then again, you have to follow the process. You have to be on top of, uh, you know, whatever you're suggesting. But then there's going to be an inevitable time where you have to risk it all. You have to go all in and you have to yep. make it happen. Otherwise, no, there's no behavior. Like you can expect, you know, different outcomes if you keep doing the same things all over again, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know this very, very well, <laughs> and your audience knows this very, very well. But you know, that's that's what it is eventually. Yeah. Um, I also feel that there's more controversy in the content being presented here at IMAX America, Mm. being debates, being um, things that are less sugar-coated but more in the direct moment of having those conversations happen whilst we're in the same room together. Mm. Um, How do you think the content that you research deeply and now contribute to the events industry at at a paid level will change that conversation? So I, I think we need to, it's, it's a very delicate time for the events industry. And, um, you know, on the other end, you have a lot of companies that are now starting content initiatives, media initiatives to generate marketing. And I think we have to make a differentiation here. You know, there's, there's um, the event design book, and then there's content marketing. There's my research, and then there's content marketing. So we have to start making differences. We have to start elevating, educating people about what good content is and what you know free content is in some cases some organizations are more committed to um, you know elevating the conversations IMAX is one of those it's a different different take here there's a community take here and they're so invested you know I've had the pleasure to work with them for a couple of months with Bo Push as part of my consultancy I got sort of deep into the you know, their marketing approach is a revolutionary one. It's one that is yeah. just uh, community-driven. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a different take, right? They give space, they give opportunities. Um, so that elevates. Content marketing is a different thing. We have to start making difference. We have to start being picky. Yeah. We have to start supporting as well. Yeah. I think we need to show support yeah. for the things that we believe in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think, I think that bold push, we expected nothing else from you, uh-huh. right? This is... And I'm really delighted to see how that, I mean, it's visible. The outcomes are visible already, even within a very short period of time. Um, I was expecting nothing less from that, but it takes many more people's effort to make sure that that changes in the desired direction of change. I I was very enthused and, and excited to see that people are also taking a little bit more time when they go to an event to really disconnect from the outside world, be present, digest what has happened, maybe defragment the hard disk after the experience itself. Mm. At least we, we, we are doing that very deliberately and I hope others are taking that time as well. Also because travel has become a little bit more cumbersome, it's not as easy as it used to be. So you have to buffer more left and right. Also means you might have less events that you go to. Mm. Um, and we're pruning our own trees of which events we spend our time on, yeah. I think. Yeah. What are typically some events that you get very excited about that you attend or look forward to attending in the future? Well, you know, obviously IMAX, the, the IMAX, the PCMA, you know, those are, you know, my group. I, I go there to meet friends, right? I don't go there for any other purpose. I just, you know, hang out, hug people. That's that's what it is. My sort of recharge of energy yeah. for, for the rest of the year. Um, 
content-wise, you know, I've been very attracted by by Web3 and the metaverse and whatever is happening there. I think, you know, it is my mission in the industry to make these things clear for the industry whenever there's something new, as it was social media back in the days in event tech. Um, so I've attended a lot of that. I've been at Consensus, I've been at uh, South by Southwest, I've been at Miami Tech Week. So it's been interesting to learn more about that and uh, yeah, what the impact of that is going to be on events, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's going to be massive. And uh, I see a lot of, again, a lot of friction from a lot of people that, to be honest, won't be in the industry for a long time. And yeah. the new generations, they are totally sold on it. They'll spend their time on Roblox or whatever, or Fortnite. And uh, yeah, you know, that's going to be interesting for us as an industry. Probably we're going to have another COVID moment, but it's going to be a you know, metaverse one. Exactly. In, a, in, a, in another space. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things that you're seeing happening in, on the gaming side of things is this idea of uh, collaborative competition, mm -hmm. right? But also this idea of, you know, you need multiple teams to be uh, acing together, mm -hmm. uh, maybe in anonymity, yeah. in order to achieve higher goals for the bigger community. Mm -hmm. Do you see that happening in the events industry or is that something we're completely oblivious to? Mm. Well, you know, I know you spoke to, to David Adler and he's talking about collaboration. He's been talking about it for like a long time. He's about to publish a book. So, you know, hopefully he's going to move the needle because we need that. We need that. I still see a lot of uh, what's the coolest ideas, let's steal those and we're done, right? Without no thinking whatsoever. Um, speakers recruitment, same faces all over again, same, same sort of approach. That means to end. And I feel that will end if organic, like things are, like the pressure is much more, um, you know, people speak about it. I can see a lot of speaking. You know, I put out a post, for example, about how younger generations, I mean, we, we look around here. I mean, we're all 30, 35 plus, right? So there's not a lot of young guns. We've had a conversation about this. I think we should be more committed. And there's people like yourself, there's people like Scythe, you know, they tried, they tried so much. But like we also have to sort of, I think, eventually get rid of some of the recurrencies that prevent these openness. And it's like you know, event planning is not a sexy profession by all means. It's a tough one, and right now it's like just even tougher. So, yeah, I mean, I, my hope is that is it's only by coming together. But it's only by you know sitting down here. I mean, people don't realize the amount of work. I see you at all the events, showing up, you know, doing the podcast, educating everybody. You know, it's a lot of travel personal commitment, business commitment to do these things. Like, you know, these are massive initiatives that need more support. They need uh, a change of perspective other than a tote bag and a free espresso that we're going to get at the booth, right? We yeah. can do better than that. Yeah. I think, I think um, events are, are, are in need of evolution. They are evolving. Mm. We're seeing some very mm. interesting gems. Uh, COVID also has done us a favor of ridding the world of many events. Yeah. Strangely enough, yeah. uh, we hope the good ones come back or come back through the filter of, you know, should people be there or not be there. Yeah. Going to bad events is almost complicit, right? You're complicit to endorsing these things. Yeah, um, I love it. And I think, and I think we should call them out. I think yeah. we should be more, we should be more bold and and literally doing what you do. And I see you do that. When you attend events, you also call out the experience journey or the instructional design or there where there are flaws that, need, that can be worked on, that can be improved, to make sure that we identify them and 
put the spotlight on things that you know require change, but also things that are very good changes in a positive sense, because I think that encourages people to to uh, to think about them in the first place. And when you start thinking about them, you can enact them. And when you enact them, they start to change. I think it's a subtle, subtle art as well. And you're you're a master in that. You're being extremely gentle with a bunch of people, educating them for the years with a, an incredible amount of patience, taking them through. Okay, this is how you start the event. This is the objectives. This is like what the outcomes. So you know, you've been doing that so patient. I'm less patient, but still, I, I understood that I. There's no purpose in like calling people out just for the sake of it. I feel there always needs to be positive, constructive element of that. And you know, if you have someone that is listening on the other side, and you know, I noticed through the years that people are actually listening. Uh, you know, they're not just like dismissing everything. You know, they take these posts, they share it with their management. They're like, yeah, I saw this. You know, we're acting upon that. So it's good. That's good. But like, there's, I don't want to start. Um, you know sort of movement of people that complain about things. This is not how you change stuff. No. You have to uh, do something about it. Right. Not just compl- and, you not know, complain. In the early days it. when I was a blogger in 2007, I was just like, this is awful. That's it. We need to change everything. And for the years, you know, kind of learned that if you really want to change stuff, you have to deal with people. You have to talk to them. It's not just about bashing, bashing, bashing. So yeah. it comes with age. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Getting old. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think what I what I always appreciate is is the depth of thought that you put into things. Um, how could people access the report that you were describing just now? Would you yeah. would you give us a little sneak peek of what's 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 sure. in it? Maybe in in this podcast, and we can add For to sure. the liner notes sure. how people can access it. Yeah, um, it's on my website insights.bopush.com. It's you know an analysis I took. Um, 25 companies I looked after uh, what they're doing, uh, how they're positioning themselves. It's more for event tech companies, large event owners in terms of portfolios, and it's for investors that are investing in event technology. So it's a very vertical analysis that Gartner would do yeah. uh, about the events industry. It's also There's also meta-analysis of all the sources that are pulling data about the comeback of the industry. So I tried to sort of sum up more than like 25 sources and try to create a unified perspective of how things look like. And, you know, there's there's a consensus that, you know, we're 70 to 75% uh, where we used to be before the pandemic in terms of revenue and attendance. Um, and, and so things are coming back. You know, August, it's interesting, um, you know, Doug Emsley, the CEO of uh, Tarsus, mentioned how they had the busiest August ever in the history of the company, 70 years old, mm-hmm. 1.1 million attendees. They got four big shows a week for August, you know, a large stretch. So there's definitely a big demand, not for all sectors. Obviously, there's, 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 it's very fragmented. That's why it's so difficult to find unifying perspective on things. And I tried, I also like, you know, I do consultancy and people reach out to me and they want to talk to me. And sometimes we can't work together because they're just starting up. And I said, okay, what if I can take all of my advice, put it in one report and give it to Get them so to they can access, access it, you know, uh, and that was the, the purpose of it. So all my strategic advice working with event tech companies on the marketing strategy, it's in there. And I tried to sum it up. It's, it's an interesting, also like, what are the opportunities? What is going to happen with virtual? What is going to happen with in-person? People want to know, it's like, the tech people on the other side of the show floor here are very nervous. I can tell you that. So, you know, they want to know. And uh, so there's, uh, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a Vogue magazine for the event tech people, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get your hands on the Vogue magazine for the tech people, um, check that out, insights.boldpush.com. Correct. Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. Uh, so we'll add that to the liner notes. Um, I also know that you know here at IMAX America, like you said, we're here to see friends and hug friends and speak to friends and record podcasts with friends. Um, IMAX is a family business. I, I always have that feeling, the way they look after you. It's always very, um, there's a very familiar feel, but also something that's very caring about it. Mm. How would you describe the atmosphere at IMAX America this year as compared to maybe earlier years or last year or before COVID? So while I was walking uh, today, we're on a Thursday, day three, right? Um, I was walking through the show floor and writing my notes for you know the wrap-up post that I do on LinkedIn every IMAX, like kind of like sharing with the community what my feelings are because you know I'm not selling everything. I want to keep on sharing with everybody, especially with the planners. So to give them, especially those that couldn't make it here. First off, breaking news, I've never seen such a busier Thursday. Everybody's still around. Right? It's crazy. I'm, everybody usually it's dead, everybody's gone, everybody's uh, hungover from rendezvous the night before <laughs> or whatever. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, the, the show floor is still buzzing. There's a lot of energy still. So it was a big desire for that. Um, it's a it's an interesting show, right? Um, you can see some destinations are you know going big. Some some of them told told me oh, we're still starting to see some cuts. So the tech scene, which is the one I look at, is completely redefined from Frankfurt. Some people were like massive in Frankfurt, now they're tiny. And the other way around, you have new companies coming um, as well. The energy is, you know, it's great. They, they announced 2,800 OSIL buyers, which is 2018 levels, uh, which was the second highest ever. Um, so we're very close to 2019, uh, almost 80% in. Never seen it so buzzing. Rendezvous last night was mental. Crazy. Yeah. So yeah, Trace it's club, it was so filled much, to capacity, right? right? Yeah. So sold out. I never saw a sold out. Like they couldn't sell tickets anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the numbers, the look of it is great. Obviously, we're facing the next few months that are going to be interesting with the energy crisis, the cost, inflation, recession, all of that has to be taken into account. Especially if we operate at 75% and we have 20% more cost, where are we going to get the other, you know, what's missing in there, right? How much can we redefine the business model of events at the end of the day? Um, obviously in this scenario, internal events, internal meetings are kind of thriving um, on all fronts, even on the tech front. That seems to be the more solid hybrid implementation, which I want to make a note of. So yeah, it's a, a curious time. I guess we're still uh, absorbing whatever is happening, and next year we're going to have more clarity. So let's uh, let's make this rendezvous uh, if 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 we can, Julius. Uh, I'd like to uh, uh, reach out again, and next year at the same time we'll have the Year Plus One podcast. So we look let's back at this increment of change every day, where we think it's fairly slow, but then you look a year back and you go, "How did all of that happen?" Oh my God. Yeah. That's, uh, are you up for that? For next oh, year? yeah. yeah. Any time. Awesome. You know where I am. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much. Uh, dear friend of the Event Design Collective, you've uh, always contributed. And what a collective a of people. Like, you're, like, literally, you know, the people I look up to in the industry as a common thread of all the event designers that I've met for the years. I keep on recommending to everybody that wants to get uh, certification. They ask me, what certification should I have? This is the first certification you need to have. Certified event designer is, like, literally what has an impact of sort of a snowball impact on the rest of the industry, positive one, whether it's adoption tech, you know, choosing venues responsibly, everything uh, that goes into that. So congratulations for what you're doing. We appreciate that and uh, we'll be back regularly. Uh, we'll be in touch also, you know, way before the next podcast because that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on becoming a American citizen, uh, which is something that we uh, you shared in your social I channels. Know, I know. Um, and um, warm greetings to the family and looking forward to our next conversation. Let's do that. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage. 